Welcome to episode 43 of the Revival Podcast for Millennial Women. Last week's episode was focused around challenging the idea that women are more emotional than men, as well as exploring the sexism that gets left over from concepts like the hysterical woman label, microaggressions, and we were also talking about how emotions are God-given, and also we went into some action steps. So that was the first episode in this series on emotion as a gift from God. And for context, I highly recommend going back and listening to that episode first so that you kind of see where I'm coming from today. And today we are going to discuss the idea that emotions are information. This is leading up to our episode next week on how emotions actually connect to the idea of resisting patriarchy and how patriarchal cultures encourage the suppression of emotion. This episode is highly influenced by the brilliant Elena Aguilar, and her book, Coaching for Equity, is actually blowing my mind and slowly changing my life personally and professionally, and so I highly recommend that book if you are anywhere in the coaching arena. I want to note that I am not a mental health professional, and if you have mental health needs of any kind, please do consult one. I am merely sharing research and ideas today. I am not pretending to be an expert on mental health. We are looking more at the theoretical. All right, let's go ahead and get started. Hey, Millennial. Welcome to the Revival Podcast for Millennial Women, where you can come as you are, where you are in your faith journey. We're here to explore who God is and what He has to say through studying His words in the Bible. Hi, I'm Katherine Elise, and each week it's my intention to take important, relevant topics and examine them with you through the lens of God's Word and the good news of Jesus. If you're here for an honest look at Scripture, beyond pulling random verses out of context, open to creative ways to connect with the ultimate Creator, and hoping for some good old-fashioned critical thinking about living out your faith, you're in the right place. I mean, as a former history teacher, you know I'm not going to let us off the hook with surface level application. So grab a cup of coffee, put on your favorite sweats, and download that Bible app. Let's get started with today's topic. All right, my friends. Well, the centering idea today, the one that it all comes back to, the big picture idea, is emotions are important information. And this information is something that we should acknowledge and listen to rather than ignore. Elena Aguilar puts it this way. She says, quote, emotion is information. An emotion is a message that something matters. An emotion is the primary way your body and mind send you signals about what you need, end quote. So today, let's go ahead and talk about information and needs. When something happens to you, your body might release a hormone. It might release dopamine if it is going to feel good, or maybe cortisol if you are going to feel stressed. And maybe something really scary happens and it triggers your amygdala and it takes you into that fight, flight, or freeze mode. These different things happen to us on a regular basis, right? And when the amygdala, which is in our brain, takes over and puts us into that fight, flight, or freeze mode, that is something that Zaretta Hammond, in her book on culturally responsive teaching, she calls it an amygdala hijack. And a lot of times it's really hard to think 
clearly or be reasonable when you have an amygdala hijack because your body's in this emergency mode. So all of this is important information that your body is giving you, right? So if your body is releasing dopamine, if it's releasing cortisol, if it's going into that amygdala hijack and you're in that fight, flight, or freeze mode, some people even add a piece to that, by the way. So if you're, you know, a people pleaser or something like that, you might actually go into a peas mode. Anyways, this is all information that our body is telling us that something is going on that we should pay attention to. It doesn't mean that we let those emotions completely take over and throw logic out the window and all that kind of stuff. But what it does mean is that we listen. We sense it. We try our best to pay attention. Notice what's going on with us. A lot of us do try to just stuff the emotion down, to ignore it, to pretend that it's not there. Or we can do what my 12-month-old daughter does and just distract ourselves from our emotions. You know, it's like she starts having a little tantrum. We put a toy in front of her. The tantrum stops. But unlike my 12-month-old, for us adults, those emotions don't just go away when we ignore them or when we get distracted. Because... These emotions give us information about what is going on beneath the surface. Is there a need that is being unmet? Is there a need that's being totally met and we have really positive emotions about it? However, if we have unmet or unacknowledged needs, this can lead to a lot of unhappiness and suffering because in the moment we might be stuffing it down. And sometimes that is a great coping mechanism. Sometimes it's not the best time to address our emotions in the moment. But if we never come back to that emotion and process it properly, or at least look at it and see what kind of information it's giving us, that unmet need that the emotion was informing us about might continue. It might continue and lead to something else that's more destructive down the line. Elena Aguilar offers what she calls the path of liberation, which requires us to recognize when we're having an emotion And make the conscious decision to listen to that emotion. Once we can interpret the information that the emotion is giving us, then we can decide how to respond accordingly. It's almost like this really interesting, rational, logical way of looking at our emotions. Of just taking a step back and saying, what if we don't judge the emotion? What if we just look at it, see it? And see what's missing, what unmet need is there if it's a negative emotion. Sometimes over time, we start to get really overwhelmed with our emotions. Or if something triggers us in the moment, especially like a microaggression or something like that, we get overwhelmed with our emotions. Or sometimes some of us tend to stuff our emotions down, pretend they don't exist until they completely explode. And this used to be me. I used to do this quite a bit. And sometimes when that happens, we can actually lash out at other people, or sometimes we might retreat into ourselves and just refuse to let other people in as a defense mechanism and almost as a way for us to have the space with our emotion, even though we're not addressing it. Both of these things can damage relationships right? So if we're rejecting people, not letting them in, that can damage relationship. And if we're lashing out and harming others with our words and maybe our tone of voice, things like that, that can also damage relationships. And 
although I've learned a lot of this from Aguilar, I also know this from firsthand experience. And I think a lot of us can relate to this. The key to working on this, I think, comes down to when we experience an emotion, again, instead of judging it, we can really lean into the idea of curiosity. Hmm, I wonder why I'm feeling this way. Why is this emotion here? Maybe noticing, what does it feel like in my body? Where am I feeling the emotion? Am I feeling tension in my neck? Am I feeling my heart racing? Am I feeling my mind flooded and I'm unable to think clearly? When did it start? When did this emotion begin? Was it when my boss was giving me negative feedback? Was it when my friend texted me a one-word response? Was it when I saw this post on Instagram? Was it when my daughter started having a tantrum and throwing her peas everywhere? What information is this emotion trying to communicate to me? Can I identify the emotion? All of these questions help us to be curious about our emotions. It's what my friend D calls, get curious, not furious. So instead of getting angry about it, maybe we pause, if we can, and ask ourselves, why is the emotion there? Ask ourselves all these different questions and try to get at what is the emotion and what's going on with me right now? Check in with ourselves. Of course, if you're someone who has a mental health concern or you have an anxiety disorder or something like that, this, is, this might be a more difficult process for you and might be something that is less applicable, or maybe it's something that you would need to work out with a therapist. All right. Aguilar also suggests that when we're experiencing an emotion, it really is, it's informational, right? It lets us know whether or not our needs are being met. And she provides this long list of different needs that we can have, and it can really range from basic needs like air, water, and food, all the way up to a need for acceptance, partnership, attention, love, purpose, dignity, healing, hope, right? These are all needs. And sometimes when women experience microaggressions, the emotional response we have in part can reveal a need for dignity, a need for respect, a need for partnership and acceptance, a need for equality or equity, right? These are all different needs that we can have. Another example, kind of putting these ideas into practice is this. Maybe my friend calls me and cancels for dinner. We had scheduled a dinner, but now she's canceling. And now I'm feeling the emotions of sad and lonely. Maybe if I take a step back and and examine this and think about it a little bit more, this might be communicating information to me that I have an unmet need. Maybe this unmet need is that I need a sense of belonging. Maybe I'm looking for love or inclusion. But maybe... Maybe I'm not really going to find out what the need is. But honestly, I'm not going to find out what that unmet need is if I don't take a step back and look at it and get curious. If I just pretend the emotion isn't there, 
it might have consequences down the line. Maybe in the moment I ignore it, but hopefully I can come back to it later and really examine what sort of information it was giving for me. But if I ignore it in the long term, maybe I, you know, complain to my husband about it or something like that, but maybe in the long term, I don't actually really process what that need was and, and get curious about my emotions. And then the next time that same friend calls and says, hey, I need to reschedule. Maybe she even has a legitimate reason. But now, because I haven't processed that emotion, I'm angry. That's my emotion. So maybe in response, again, I'm not examining the anger. Maybe in response, I stop returning her phone calls. Maybe I stop texting her. Maybe I get mad at her on the phone and I say, ah, you always reschedule on me. You always do this. Maybe in doing that, I further damage our relationship. There can be consequences when we let our emotions go unexamined. This happens to us all the time in all sorts of different ways. This is just a small example. And now Aguilar, she wrote a secular book. This book was not meant for any kind of religious promotion, right? And this section that I've been reading from and giving ideas from is actually meant to help coaches at schools coach for emotion in their clients, help their clients to acknowledge and examine their emotions, because that allows you to get to a deeper level in helping them do their job more effectively and promote equity in the workplace. But I think that understanding these concepts that she presents can actually really help us as Christians. I think it can help us understand that emotions are God-given and that ignoring them isn't helpful in the long run. Maybe it's helpful temporarily, but in the long run, it's not so much. In my experience, emotions that are unexamined, they tend to fester. They tend to fester until something gives, and usually that harms a relationship. But that doesn't mean that we act on all of our emotions. That doesn't mean that we act in unhealthy ways that harm relationships. But instead, we do that pause. We get curious. We understand the emotion. Explore it a little bit. And what if, as a next step for us, we took that emotion to God? What if we prayed about it? and asked him what the emotion means. He holds all of the wisdom. He knows our every need. He knows our every emotion. He knows everything about us in every situation. Once we kind of took some time to pray about it and understood that need a little bit more, what if we took another step and we went to God to fulfill whatever need has been revealed? A lot of times we go to human beings to meet our needs And human beings are actually pretty disappointing a lot of the time. They can't meet all of our needs all of the time. The world, society, culture can't meet our needs all of the time. Instagram can't meet our need all of the time. And God can use all those things. He can use relationships. He can use Instagram. He can use the world, culture, and society. He can use all of that to minister to our needs. Of course he can. God can literally use anything. Nothing is beyond him. But... Ultimately, he is the one who fulfills the needs that we have. The need for love, the need for completeness and affirmation, the need for closeness, all of our needs. And when we experience injustice, that injustice, it hurts a lot. Our need for respect 
consideration by other people, um, to be known and understood, all of those things can be unmet and more can be unmet when we're faced with things like microaggressions or injustice or inequality or oppression or patriarchy. We can experience anger, grief, humiliation, shame, defeatedness, and more. These are normal emotions when we experience injustice or when we see it. It is very, very normal, right? We might experience anger. That's normal when we see injustice. And don't we have a God that can understand and minister to our pain? Just look at Jesus. Jesus experienced the greatest injustices because he was perfect, literally deserved none of the injustice against him. He was perfect, sinless. He did nothing wrong ever. So any of the wrong done to him was the definition of injustice because he was truly, truly innocent in a way that human beings besides Jesus can't relate to. And yet, even though he was perfect, he was abandoned by many of his friends, his close personal friends. He was betrayed by the people that he came to save and minister to. He was flogged, whipped, humiliated, mocked. He was hung on a cross naked. If anyone understands injustice and the depths of the pain that injustice causes, it is Jesus. And Jesus, unlike us, knows what it is like to be totally forsaken. Completely forsaken. Matthew 27 tells us that when Jesus hung on the cross, this is what happened, starting in verse 45. From noon Until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lima shabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is what Jesus cried out on on the cross, that God had forsaken him. And we, his people, are never forsaken by God because of the love and sacrifice of Jesus, because he underwent this for us. And we're told that we're never alone, never. And we are loved beyond measure because we are in Christ. There is no end to the love and grace that God has for us. There is no end or limit to the way God can meet our needs. And we can feel that completeness and fullness in his presence. And sometimes he sends his love through through people who comfort us and love us and provide us with community. Sometimes he provides it through maybe a social media post of encouragement. Maybe he provides it through someone sharing their story online that helps you identify and see you're not alone. Maybe it comes through reading scripture And seeing the sacrifice of Jesus or seeing the people of God and the way that God intervened and loved them. Maybe it comes through prayer, just being with God, talking to him, venting to the one who understands in a way no one else ever will. God can meet our needs in infinite ways. There is no limit. And we are loved beyond measure. 
I want to close by reading Romans 8. Yes, I know. (laughs) The whole chapter. But you guys, Romans 8 is the best. So I'm going to read it and I hope that it can be encouraging to your spirit and in this process of learning for all of us to get curious instead of getting furious, to using our emotions as information and to recognizing that God has given us emotions for a reason and that they are helpful. They are helpful to us when we listen to them. They show us the needs that we have, which we can bring before God to be fulfilled in only ways that he can provide. All right, Romans chapter eight. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he was condemned in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, Then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves, so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, and hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, 
grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we are saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through the wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Whew, that one gets me every time. As a reminder, friends, as we close here, when we're able to identify our emotions and get those needs met by God, it allows us to see others with more compassion, with more grace, more curiosity, with more love. It allows us to love our neighbor better. We get those things. We experience all that, the compassion, the grace, everything from God first. We haven't done anything to deserve it, but he delights in giving his children good gifts. He is a good father. He doesn't withhold good gifts from us. And I want to close today with a blessing over us. That we would learn to listen to our emotions. Slow down to identify them. See the unmet need. And bring that need before an almighty, all-powerful, all-loving God. He who is able to meet all of our needs, all of the time. He created us in his image and he knows every inch of who we are and can provide every bit of what we need. Let us come before God, our Father, and experience his rich blessings. May he communicate his love to us in unique, 
personal and undeniable ways. And may we rest in that love. And may we share that love with other people. May your week be blessed, my friends. I'll talk to you next week. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of the Revival Podcast for Millennial Women. If you got something meaningful out of today's episode, please subscribe and leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. These reviews help more women find the show and it helps grow our community. Plus, these reviews help me see how God is using this podcast and that, my friends, blesses me greatly. Oh, and be sure to check out the show notes for more ways to connect with me. See you next time.